2020 has been a year of separation. During this year, many people have been kept apart from those that they love. As you all know, that we've been forced to limit our social interactions, and yet again this year, this week, we're again being encouraged to to reduce the number of people that we see and not be able to visit each other in our homes. When we've met up with people, we've been asked to keep that two metre distance apart. Nursing home residents or hospital patients have been isolated from others for their own safety. Grandchildren have been kept from hugging their grandparents. Travel has been restricted. In any other year, this would have been the week where my, my brother Graham and his wife Klinos and their boys would have been with us. Probably Graham would have been preaching this morning in, an, in a normal year. Those with co- a cough or fever or any other COVID-related symptoms have had to self-isolate for 14 days, something that we've never really had to think about before now. And of course, many people have lost their loved ones. This year, we ourselves as a, as a church have, have, had to, have been separated from our, our brother Tommy. And today, even though we can connect with each other on Zoom, we're unable to meet together in person as a church. And all of this separation takes its toll on us. Numerous studies have reported an increase in social isolation and loneliness and also in the many emotional and physical effects that this produces. The Samaritans here in Ireland have reported that four out of ten of their their calls to their helpline have referenced isolation and loneliness as an issue. So this is difficult for us. But of course, this is not a new problem. The church in Thessalonica, they were also struggling with an enforced separation. The Apostle Paul had been taken from them and kept from them. And his absence in their lives, where it was increasing their problems and their pain. But Paul wrote to give them hope. Hope even when they are socially distant. And I think this is hope that we can share in too. So this morning we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, down through into chapter 3 and verse 5. But brothers, when we were torn away from you, from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. So, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We went, sorry, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one could be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were 
just destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way. As you well know, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I was sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have been tempted. You and our, our efforts might have been useless. These new Christians in Thessalonica were going through an incredibly difficult time. Last week, we read that Paul wrote that you suffered from your own countrymen the same things the church, those churches suffered from the Jews. They were suffering severe opposition, ridicule, harassment and persecution from their own neighbours. And this was because of their faith in Jesus. And so Paul could be thankful for this as a, a sign of their commitment to Christ and their membership of God's kingdom. But it was still really difficult, really challenging and really painful. And what made this even harder was that they were separated from Paul. Paul says in verse 17 that we were torn away from you for a short time. When Paul had visited this community in Thessalonica on his second missionary journey, he had preached the gospel in the synagogue over three weeks. And as a result, some people had trusted in Jesus. But this had stirred up such jealousy among the Jewish community that Paul and his mission team had to escape. They had to run for it under, uh, under the safety of darkness. After only a few weeks, Paul was forced to leave this young church on their own. And this was incredibly difficult. The word that Paul actually used here for torn away, it's translated torn away here, it actually means literally to be orphaned. As we've seen, Paul saw himself as the spiritual mother and the spiritual father of this, these young Christians, of this young church. He wanted to, to care for them, to provide for them, to teach them, to encourage them, to protect them. But he'd been forced to leave them like orphans, alone and left to fend for themselves. And that was difficult for these Christians because as Christians we are not designed to be isolated and separated from other believers. Remember back in Genesis chapter 2 when Adam was living in the Garden of Eden God said it is not good for the man to be alone. Now the Garden of Eden was a, a perfect place to live. It was a, a paradise without any sickness or suffering or death. He could interact with all the other animals that were there without any fear of aggression or any, any attack. And yet despite this, Adam was lonely. He longed for community. Now in that case back in Genesis chapter 2, God provided companionship and support of Eve as his wife, in response to this. 
But this principle applies to much wider than just marriage. It is not good for any of us to be alone. So Psalm 86 verse 6 says this, that God sets the lonely in families. In families, we are supposed to find the support and the friendship that we long for. And this is the case in the Christian family too. God has placed us in local churches so that we can meet together, so we can support each other, so we can help each other, because none of us are designed to do this on our own. None of us have all the gifts or ability or strength that we need. We are to depend on each other, and we are to minister to each other. And so, folks, when that's not possible, we struggle. When people walk out of our lives, or when circumstances keep us apart, or when illness isolates us, or when a a pandemic separates us, or when death takes someone from us, we struggle. We need that person. They were our helper. And now they're no longer with us. And that is challenging. And that is painful. And it's in these kinds of times that Satan often attacks us. Paul said this in chapter 3 verse 5 of our reading, that he was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Now, Paul, he wasn't afraid that they would lose their salvation. He knew that God is faithful even when we are not. But Paul was concerned that in this time of separation and suffering, the devil would tempt these believers to give up on their faith, to walk away from it. And as a result of this, Paul's work of planting this local community of light and hope in that city would be lost. And Paul was afraid of that because he knew that one of the ways, one of the major ways that Satan attacks us is by isolating us from other believers. Peter wrote, 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 8, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion, a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I'm sure many of us have watched those kind of nature programs where you can see a a lion, where you see lions are hunting in the wild. And if they tried to attack a whole herd of wildebeest or, or buffalo, then they would have no chance. When they stand together, those animals are too large and too strong to be defeated. But the lions attack that herd in such a way to cause panic. And this disperses the herd, which allows the lions to pick off an isolated animal. Maybe one that's weaker or one that's exhausted. And that's kind of like what Satan does. 
He knows that there is real strength when we stand together as brothers and sisters in Christ. When we stand united, we have strength. And so he works to divide and conquer. He tries to keep us away from church. He tempts us to stop meeting together. Because he knows that when we're isolated, we're much more vulnerable to temptation. And so Paul here said that it was, that what kept them apart was that Satan stopped us. Now, of course, Paul knew that God was still in control of the situation. He's not rejecting that. But he knew that Satan wanted these believers to be more vulnerable to giving up on their faith. And so Satan had worked to keep Paul away from these believers and kept them from being able to get back to them. So this was the painful struggle of these believers. They were suffering severely because of persecution. They were separated from Paul and they were being tempted by Satan to give up. So what would Paul do to help them? What could he say or do to give them hope and help in this situation? Well, first of all, he shared his heart with them. He told them that he hadn't forgotten about them. For Paul, it was not out of sight, out of mind. He says in verse 17, We were torn away from you in person, but not in thought. He assured them that he loved them. But more than that, he told them that he too was struggling. Verse 17 again. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Now, I think this is amazing. This church was full of young believers. They'd been trusting in the Lord only for a matter of months. But Paul did not ascribe their struggling to their immaturity. He didn't criticize them for being so weak or for being unable to cope with this situation. Instead, he told them that he knew how they felt, because he was struggling in a similar way too. With amazing emotional vulnerability, he told them how much he longed to be there to see them. It broke his heart to be separated from them, and had it not been for Satan's attacks, he would have been there with them. Now, sometimes we might feel that it's our fault if we struggle in our lives with separation or suffering or with Satan's attacks. We might think that if we really trusted in Jesus, then we wouldn't struggle in this situation. That if only we were more mature in our relationship with Christ, then things would not impact us as much. But you know, I don't think this is what the Bible teaches us. 
Yes, we'll see in a minute that there are resources available to us to help us in these struggles. But that does not mean that we should somehow be unaffected by them. That if we really just got this right, then we would just soar and sail through life unaffected and unimpacted by all of these things in in our lives. So instead of pretending that we are always just okay, that we're always fine, instead of acting as if nothing bothers us, we need to be we need to learn to honestly share with our brothers and sisters our struggles and our difficulties. This is what Paul told us to do in Galatians chapter six. He said, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We need to carry each other's burdens. So we need to be willing to let others carry our burdens. We need to be willing to share with them what we're struggling with, what we're finding difficult, what we're really having having an issue with. That's because if we do this, then there is real strength. Can you imagine just how encouraging it would have been for these young believers to to hear that Paul was struggling with this separation just as much as they were? They would be reassured that he really did love them and value them. And they'd be encouraged that if Paul could keep going in this difficult time, then so could they. But Paul here didn't just share his heart. He also sent his substitute. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, We sent Timothy. Paul had gone from Thessalonica to a place called Berea and then he'd gone to Athens. But he'd left Silas and Timothy, his mission partners, in Berea. But Paul struggled on his own in Athens. He knew that isolation was not God's design. So he sent for Silas and Timothy to come To be with him. But then in Athens, he got so worried about those Christians in Thessalonica that he sent Timothy back there. He desperately wanted to keep Timothy with him. But he was willing to lose out for the sake of helping those young believers. Although he couldn't go there himself, he knew that Timothy could could help in that situation. Timothy's mission, I think, was basically twofold. In part, it was simply a fact-finding mission. Paul was worried about them. And he just couldn't you know, call them up on the telephone or text them to see how they were doing. So he said, I sent him, I sent Timothy, to find out about your faith. Even someone like Paul with all his spiritual insight and understanding, still struggled like us with uncertainty. He still battled with fear and worry 
and concern. But he didn't just want Timothy to go and find out about their faith. He also wanted Timothy to go and to build them up in their faith. He told them that he sent him to strengthen, this is verse 2, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Timothy, he wasn't going to try and change their situation. He couldn't. He couldn't stop them suffering from persecution. He couldn't overcome their separation from the Apostle Paul. And he certainly couldn't prevent the attacks of Satan. But he could strengthen and encourage them. So that those trials would not unsettle them. So that they would not weaken in their commitment to Jesus. But how could Timothy do that? What was Timothy going to do? Well, Timothy could do this because he was God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. Timothy was a preacher of the truth of Jesus. And it's the good news of Jesus that can strengthen us and encourage us even in difficult times. So Timothy could remind them that God was still in control, even in times of suffering. He could remind them that as Paul had taught them, that we would be persecuted. That every Christian will be persecuted if they're living for God. As we saw last week, their struggles were not the result of being abandoned by God. But instead they were evidence of being of the fact that they belonged to God. But Timothy could also remind them that God was with them in their struggles. This is the good news. That in Christ, God not only shared his heart of love with them. How much he, he longed to be with them. But in Christ, God also sent his son to be with them. He sent his son to be our Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as our substitute, he overcame our most, most difficult and most serious problem with separation. The separation that we've experienced from God because of our sin. And Jesus overcame that separation by experiencing the separation that we deserved. By stepping into it. On the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he became sin for us. He experienced the hell that we deserved, the, to be cut off from God forever. And because of that, he paid that price of our sins in full. 
And because of this, if we put our trust in Jesus, if we are, we are put our faith and trust in him and accept him into our lives as our saviour and our Lord, then we are brought into that beautiful relationship with God as our father. Christ died for sins once for all, Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Jesus died on the cross to overcome that that most serious separation in our lives so that we could have a relationship with God. And this was powerfully demonstrated by that heavy curtain in the temple. That curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place represented the separation between God and his people. But when Jesus died on the cross, that very moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. God was telling us that the way to him was now open. The separation was now overcome. And we can be welcomed through the blood of Jesus into the very intimate presence of God. And so this is the ultimate encouragement when we struggle with separation and isolation from others. We can know that God is always with us. And that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so if we have trusted in Jesus, we can know that we are never, ever alone. It's wonderful to know that because of the cross, Jesus is always with us. It's this truth that helps us to stand strong in times of suffering and to overcome Satan's temptation to give up on our faith. But of course, that doesn't fully deal with the pain of separation. Paul knew this truth and still he struggled with it. But what enabled him to keep on going despite that was it because he also had the promise of the glory that was to come. Yes, it broke his heart to be separated from these believers, but he knew that because of Jesus, this separation was not forever. This is what he wrote in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 2. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in, in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes is it not you indeed you are our glory and joy Paul knew that one day the struggle with with separation would be completely over one day Jesus will return and take him and all who have trusted in him to be with him forever And what kept Paul going was the, the hope, the confident expectation that on that day, 
he would be able to rejoice with all of the, these believers, that, he, that those believers were with him in glory. They will be his crown. They will be the reward of his service. They will be the symbol of God's blessing in his life and in his ministry. They will be the evidence of God's amazing grace that worked in him and through him. And this is our hope if we are trusting in Jesus today. For now, suffering and separation and Satan's attacks are painful. We do not need to despair. We do not need to give up. We know that weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. One day to come, we will fully step into the victory that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. One day, all that we have done for God will be rewarded. One day, we will clearly see that following Jesus was worth it all, no matter what it cost. One day, we'll be able to rejoice in all of those that we had the privilege to serve in our life. One day, we'll be able to honour and glorify Christ. Through all that he has done through us. But even more amazingly than all of that. On that day. The pain of separation will be gone forever. On that day. We will see Jesus face to face. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. This is the hope that we can have. Even in these times of social distancing. Let's pray. Father God, we really thank you. We really thank you, Lord, that we have this amazing hope in our lives today. Thank you that we can trust in Jesus. And because of his death on the cross, where he took the pain and the, 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 the payment for our sin in full, we can know that that, that distance, that separation, that, that great gulf between us and you has, has been bridged. And so through faith in Jesus, we know that we have been, have become part of your family, that you have come into our lives, and we can know that, that, that we are with you today, and that nothing and no one can ever separate us from your love. Father, we thank you for that amazing encouragement that we can have today. Even in this difficult time, in this difficult time of pandemic, when we're separated from so many people that we love, thank you for that assurance that you will never be separated from us. But Lord, we realise that still it can be difficult. Still it can be painful. Still we can struggle with this, Lord. So Father, I just pray that you will help us. Help us to hold on to this reality. That yes, the separation is tough just now, but it's only temporary. Because one day, Jesus is going to come back for us. 
And he's going to take us to be with him forever. And we'll forever be with him. And we'll be able to see him face to face. And there'll be no more crying or mourning or pain or death. Because all of those things will have passed away. And we will have fully come into the, the joy and the wonder of the reality of what Jesus won for us on the cross. Lord, I pray that you will help us to hold on to that hope and and live in it and rejoice in it and rest in it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.